Okay, the wizard's tower stands before you. An open doorway beckoning you to enter. What do you do? Good thing I brought my followers. Fred and Bob are going to take up overwatch positions with crossbows in the bushes outside the tower, keeping a clear line of sight on the doorway. Harvey and Phil are going to position themselves on either side of the doorway, swords drawn. Jack, Tom, and Pudgy Bottom are going to rush through the doorway and clear the entryway of any threats. Once the entryway is cleared, Mook, Fodder, Helen, and Candy will work their way through the tower and signal it is all clear by unfurling my pennant from the parapet. Easy peasy lemon squeezy, how much golden experience do we get? Now I know why you were so anxious to hit ninth level. Hello and welcome back to the Grognards. I'm Dean Geiken. I'm Eric Holly. And I'm Greg Ziegler. And we want to welcome you back to another edition of the Grognards where we take a look at a particular class in the Dungeons and Dragons game. And I'm going to ask a question of my two partners here. What do you think is the most, uh, let me rephrase that, what do you think is the class that most people go into when they start the game? Meaning like they're new to the game. What would you say? I think I can cheat and look at our outline, but uh, <laughs> clearly it's fighter. Yes, and it is. And that's a class I d- still direct brand new players to. If somebody and I shows too. up at the table, never played an RPG before, play a fighter. Yes, I would have to agree with that. If there's somebody who's brand new, um, you don't want to intimidate them too much. And But I don't know if that's the case anymore with 5th edition. Back in the day, yeah, the fighter was the one that was like, okay, what do you do? I hit it with a sword. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of <laughs> options as a fighter. Right. Uh, it's very straightforward, and there aren't a lot of, you know, lists and fuzzy rules, you know, mm-hmm. hit with a sword. Right. People but, can like you that. said, anymore, I mean, this is one of our longest outlines oh my we gosh. have for yeah. a podcast. What do we got? We got, like, five pages of outline. We're not going to get through all of this, folks, um, but we're going to—well, we are going to get through all of it, but some of it's going to be glanced or yeah. glossed over. Because some of it we don't like. so you just don't need to know and you're on a need to know basis oh before we dive into the fighter two errata points i just want to clarify from our last podcast um so holy word does say it affects creatures of differing alignments but that's still open for interpretation because as we'll cover in our alignments podcast at some point in the future there's nine actual alignments so it's not clear whether it affects just good just evil or do you have to be lawful good like the person uttering the word um, and also, I can't believe I messed this up. I was talking about encounter distance like they were D6s. They're D4s. It's 6 to 24, which is 6 D4. And I can't believe I messed that up because that's one of the few times you get to roll a D4 in any version of D&D. <laughs> that's true. In AD&D, it's magic missile, wizard hit points, and encounter distance. <laughs> yes, the poor, poor, and forgotten D4. I, I'm glad for healing potions in 5th edition, up. though, because then they get the 2 D4. Look at that. Yeah. And Greg is an aficionado of die, and so yeah, he has all kinds of D4s, and he never gets to really use them that much. No, and uh, the Cultra D4 is my least favorite dice. <laughs> I, have, I have actually gone through most of my sets and weeded them out because oh. I just don't like I, them. I went to Gen Con t- to the exhibit hall fairly early. I, maybe it wasn't early. I don't know. I was busy at Gen Con. But I was looking for those eight-sided that have one through four twice because mm-hmm. I hate rolling those those D4s. Yeah. And uh, they were already sold out. So apparently I'm not the only one, and Greg's not the only one that hates those. They just thunk. They don't roll. That's true. Yeah, you got to really toss them. Yeah. Anyway, 
Anyway, we're not talking about wizards. We're not talking about dice. We're talking about... I'm always about, talking about dice. Talk about D10s, <laughs> fighters. <laughs> That's right, D10s and D- fighters. So the first real mention of a fighter in the game was in the original D&D game of 1974, right. if our information is correct. And we've been questioning our information of late, which is... As no. Eric, well, the early history is yeah. is a little convoluted. Like, I mm-hmm. know that the basic set, the uh, red basic set... Uh, or no, sorry, the the one with the sort of bluish cover came out in '77, as well as the player's handbook. I'm not sure which one came out first, or if they came out simultaneously, because I didn't start playing until the year after that. Right, but they called it the Fighting Man. Yeah, or the fighting, Brown Box, a small Fighting brown. Woman. If you want to, you know, be fair. There were no women who played D and D back then. <laughs> that's, that's a gross overgeneralization. Yeah, fighting Nickbeard. Yeah, <laughs> and um, with the uh, the Greyhawk supplement in '75, you got the subclass of Paladin, which is an offshoot of the fighter. Yeah, so. yeah, it's very popular. All right now, uh, Eric and I were also talking about the uh, kind of the coexistence of the Red Box and the advanced first or, or edition the basic set yeah the basic the set yes. yeah because there were several versions of the basic set and we don't spend too much time on right. them dean played them but i don't think either well i know i, I yeah i did i played both yeah. um, no, I didn't. which one do we want to talk about and and take Let's a start with first edition okay i mean All right. that's that's sort of where we always start okay so we got our first edition fighter um and, oh, and uh, dean's gonna dm this one right yeah, I think. Yeah. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Greg's over here cradling the dice. Give me them damn dice. Yeah. Greg's still designing his character for the end of the podcast. <laughs> I'm ta- Greg. There you go. Take wow. ten. Take ten hit points of damage. Necrotic. Yeah. <laughs> There's no necrotic in first edition. I don't care. <laughs> We're no not talking damage types. <laughs> anyway, uh, we um, the fighter was specifically designed to do exactly that. He was geared for fighting. He's got high hit points and he was able to use the heavy armor and receive the D10 die, which was, I think, and still is kind of my favorite die of all of them. Like, oh, yeah. I'm just, I'm just saying, it's just me. It's yeah, just me. I, I'd have to... Yep. I can't give a, a answer like that for such an important question. <laughs> right. I can't just like blurt out what I think is my yeah. favorite die. Um, but it was the only class to have the percentile dice if you got an 18 on your strength. Yeah. So Which was huge. It took you, what, like we looked up last, plus mm-hmm. one, plus two to 18,100, plus three, plus six. Right. And it was also on the fast track to get the uh, uh, the negative AC, as we spoke about, you know, yeah. the quirky rules of AD&D. Plate and shield, AC right. two. I mean, if you got negative 20, you were like invulnerable. Yeah. And, the, and just going back to hit points, the D10, I mean, that was the biggest hit die until the Barbarian hit the scene. And that wasn't till third edition, I believe. I, I think you're right. I yeah, I mean, they had a kit before then in second edition. Right. But uh, yeah. I don't think it changed their hit dice if I, I don't, I don't believe it did. I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, and also, uh, his combat tables were, you know, the best. Yep. Every two levels. Every they two levels they, the they advanced. Whereas the fighter, or, I'm sorry, not the fighter, the wizard, what did we say the wizard One was? One through five, I think. Yeah. Every five levels. Right. So I'm. Um, you know, it was it was the tank of the day, and he could use all kinds of magical items, but he had no magical abilities whatsoever. Yeah. And one of the cool things that I think was interesting is that <laughs> at ninth level, you had to start collecting taxes, or you were yeah. kind of expected to. <laughs> yeah, you became like a lord, like a feudal lord. Right. And that's a direct consequence of their original game that they played, because, you know, they, they had this... 
intricate political web among the player characters. You know, they would dive into the dungeons uh, beneath the town and kill monsters. But then when they came back up, they had this like, you know, they would interact and try to vie for power with each other. Right. Um, sort of an interesting yeah. backdrop. So you could, had to establish a freehold, or you could attract men-at-arms and, and start to collect taxes. And there were no subclasses uh, at that point except for paladin and yeah, ranger. Yeah, and that distinction's sort of weird. I mean, yeah. you had—I just remember those old goldenrod character sheets. Right. And you had fighter, ranger, paladin, thief, assassin, cleric, druid, thief, assassin, bard— because Bard was on that sheet, right. Cleric, Druid, and Magic User Illusionist. And so they were classes in their own right. They weren't really subclasses, but they had some commonalities, so they put them on the same sheet. Right, I agree with that. I think, I don't know if I ever really considered them to be subclasses. I think I always considered them to be a yeah. class of subclasses their own. Subclasses weren't even really a thing until 5th edition, when you think about it. I mean, they had specializations, they had kits, but... They never really, the whole, I've never even think I heard the term subclass before 5th edition. Right, yeah. Okay, and so uh, so 1st edition is where we had basically the uh, cut and dried fighter. Um, we also need to talk a little bit about the basic set D&D because that's the one that I started with. Um, and even though it came out at the same time as the player's handbook, a lot of people did start with the basic D&D set. And the fighter was even more basic then. Um, Looks pretty complicated by your picture, though. Right, <laughs> but I, the only reason we're mentioning this, not the only reason we're mentioning <laughs> it, but it's a much like the harlot table that we spoke about in the quirky rules yeah, of and AD&D. And this does show that it was mostly men and boys playing D&D during this era. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm, for those who are not familiar with this, I would like you to Google search Morgan Ironwolf uh, picture by Jeff D. That's Jeff D-E-E. Jeff D. Who did a lot of the art for the original D&D. ton of the art. Um, it's Morgan Ironwolf, and I am here to say that probably more boys probably decided we, they were going to have a... I don't know if we want to go there, dude. <laughs> yeah. well, they, we don't want to know what boys did to that picture. No, 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 no. They, they <laughs> opted to have a female fighter. You think? I think so. I don't know. I think they might have just been enthralled by the picture. Well, okay. We'll, anyway. we'll, we'll put the picture up on our podcast page yeah. right. and our Facebook page. But she was lawful because there was no lawful neutral, lawful evil, lawful good. She was lawful. She yeah. had a 16 strength uh, and basically was wearing Daisy Duke short armor. Yeah, it looks like her like her armored skirt is like a mini skirt. Yes. She has body fitting it's maybe chain or scale mail. It's form fitting. It is yeah, definitely form with yeah. gravity defying breasts that are almost perfectly round <laughs> and nipples that could pierce chain armor. Yeah, hopefully not because it would, yeah, she it would, would go painful. through a lot of armor. And and Farrah Fawcett hair. Oh I my mean, gosh, yes, hair that defied gravity, yeah. much like everything else. So, um but yeah, she's uh, man, she's got a bow, she's got a sword, she's got her shield, she is heavily armed. And she does and not look armed. And she does not look happy. No, not at all. But uh, it's a good picture. But it, you know, D and D's gotten away from that in, right. in expanding their their crowd. And they were definitely uh, catering to the 13, 14, 15 year old boys. Some of those, uh, I don't know if you guys go to conventions, and a lot of times Larry Elmore has tables there, mm-hmm. and a lot of his artwork is very similar. Um, but it's high quality artwork. I'm just, I look at it and go, where would I put that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's a good point. That's a good point. So, okay, so um, not much happened in, in the basic edition because it was also kind of happening at the same time as first edition. But then we have the much-aligned 
and I think rightfully so, at least in my history, uh, second edition of Dungeons & Dragons. I don't know if it was much. It was aligned in your crowd. Maligned. I think maligned. It was a... We transitioned pretty pretty smoothly. Like I said, I had take, sort of taken a break between. Mm-hmm. Um, and it fixed a lot of the warts on first edition. It oh, really yeah, did. I'll agree with that. But uh, I, the, it's as it aged, it did not age well because right. of the bloat and the, they, the rule complexity and things like that. Right. Um, I don't know. Uh, not much changed in the way of the fighter in the second edition. It did. Uh, it was added to part of the warrior group. Along with the paladin and ranger, so and I don't quite understand what they were getting at there. Um, the paladin and ranger. I think they the just formalized those groupings. Okay. I don't think it had any effect. Um, but the one thing, the big difference for for me, bow in the black was specialized in the longsword weapon specialization, um, and we even went further than that. There, I believe it was a Dragon Magazine article that talked about double specialization. Um, and he double specialized, and I forgot. I think maybe give him plus two, plus two, or something like that. I don't remember. Was Dragon Magazine was that considered um, official? You know, back then nobody cared. I mean, that it, it was there in was print, not, so it was real. There, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there wasn't a lot of material, especially right. first edition. Mm-hmm. So you gobbled up anything you got your hands on. Some of those early Dragon Magazine articles, um, if you go to EN World, uh, there's a guy, M.T. Black, who also right. does modules on DMs Guild, one of the better module writers uh, that post stuff there. Um, and he's doing Adventure League modules now. But he's doing a retrospective review starting with Dragon Number 1. Mm-hmm. I think he's up to about 13 now or so. And it's just a little blurb. And it's almost funny to hear what some of the articles are about. Um, one of the controversial articles was how Gandalf is only a fifth-level wizard, which <laughs> yes. you know, we've, we've sort of referred to <laughs> at times. But um, just things like, you know, dungeon dressing, things that we take for common, you know, just like, oh, who wouldn't know that? Right. But you also have to remember there wasn't that source material. Like, we've talked about early fantasy. I mean, you were drawn from Robert Howard, Fritz Lieber— Michael Moorcock, J.R.R. Tolkien, and maybe some of those more esoteric authors that, you know, you saw in Appendix N. Right. But so there wasn't that sort of like common culture. Like now when we think about Lord of the Rings, everybody thinks about the movies and you can visualize, um, you know, what all those scenes look like, what an elven village looks like. Nobody had any clue what an elven village would look like. I used to devour those magazines like crazy. Yeah. Just read them cover to cover and... I do believe they always had at least a small adventure in each of them. Not or, no, not the early ones. They they sometimes would have adventures, um, and then they split off much later and had Dungeon Magazine, which also had yeah. it was all adventures. But yeah, they would have they would also have those mini games. <laughs> they would right. start putting those, and some of those are quite valuable now. Strangely oh, enough, really, yeah. Wow. Um, well, I, again, we go off we get yeah. off on a tangent, which is probably good fodder for our history of D anD. d Yeah, which podcast. will be like an eighteen hour <laughs> podcast. At the rate we're going here, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So, uh, but they did also. This is, uh, if I remember right, one of the first times that they had kind of a an, a supplement that you could buy for the game, and it was the complete fighter's handbook. Yeah, every class had a handbook. They came out with fighter's handbook, which really individualized the the classes. Right. Um, that came out in 1989, and it gave us the Amazon, the beloved barbarian, yeah. the cavalier, and the samurai. 
And my fighter today is a recreation of a second edition Barbarian I played. So oh, really? Come up. That, but, you know, and that was part of the problem with second edition. We just started, like, throwing all this stuff out there. People used a lot of optional stuff from Dragon Magazine, and things got crazy, you know, in terms of uh, power gamers or, mm-hmm. you know, min-maxers. If you picked and choose what you used, you could end up with a great disparity among character powers. Um, nobody cared, but... It was there, you yeah, know? yeah. So let's move on. We're kind of really, like I said, we're kind of uh, glossing over some of this stuff because we've got a lot of meat to get through with. Uh, yeah, fighters the fighter are much more complicated. In fifth edition, um, third edition, and three point five. Uh, the fighter is now one of eleven classes that you can play in the game. He's still stuck with the D ten. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, never changed. No, no. Uh, the barbar- Barbarian got the D12. Yeah, they split out. What was the Barbarian's uh, hit die in second edition? I don't recall. It was still a fighter class, so it still so used it's a just D10. a 10. Okay, all right. Um, he's proficient with all armor and weapons except exotic. Yeah, and that's when they they never had exotic before. Right. Well, I was yeah. going to say, what well, what would qualify as that? Well, I was going to ask, what would qualify as an exotic? And I think they're talking like uh, these. Yeah, like a gnomish mining pick. They had all yeah. these weird weapons right. in third edition. You know yeah. that that. I think they had like a chain sword and, and yeah. I mean, like there was that. all just uh-huh. whatever somebody wanted to throw in that they didn't want to let everybody use. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, nice. The fighter was still, you know, had the highest attack and and uh, fortitude bonuses and stuff like that. Uh, they also. Um, Special class abilities are all in the feet slots. Yeah. And that's when feats came into and play. Feats, I mean, I'm playing that online game that's actually Pathfinder, but similar to third. And, and <gasps> Greg, can he be in the same room as us? I don't know. Hey, I'm trying to be a well rounded <laughs> uh, gamer. <laughs> I, I catch a lot of crap when I mention anything other than D D, so uh, well, that's because you mentioned superhero games. At least I'm still in the fantasy genre. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I have a little variety in my I life. did sign up for a Wait a superhero second. Game. Superheroes are fantasy. What are you talking about? What? That's not real? It's all a fa- yeah. yeah. Usually it's lump sci-fi. No, they're they're real. I see, like, they're the news broadcasts when I go to the theater. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 Um, Poor no. Eric. <laughs> I actually, I, I signed up. Yeah. I think I signed up at um, Gamehole Con for a Villains of Vigilantes game, I wow. think. Wow. Yeah. That is one I have not done. Really? That's the mm. only one I've done. Oh. And it was in 1983, so I'm I'm pretty current on things, I think. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm not even sure if is there a, is there a current version of that. I'm not sure. I, <laughs> I I was in with the champion snobs, and that's uh, yeah. We looked at the VNV people, kind of like the D and D people looked at the Palladium people. That was like, well, here's wow. here's, 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 here's my yeah. VNV. I don't think I've told my VNV story. And okay. sure, we got time. Oh, right? yeah, we got time um, all day. So I had a friend in high school who was really into superheroes. Right? I I could care less. Right? I'm not a superhero guy. Um, and he's like, and I, but I was the DM, right? He, I DM'd everything. So he says, I really want to play a superhero game. Can you DM Villains Vigilantes, right? Because he had the book, so I didn't have to buy it. I'm like, yeah, I guess I'll do that. We'll we'll play. We played everything, right? So we might as well play that. So he makes a character, and I have no idea about the rule system or anything, but he makes a character who has magnetic powers, and apparently the crushing damage in Village of Vigilantes was overpowered for the time and his and, and he then he boosted some stats and basically his entire combat style would be picking up cars and throwing them at bad guys <laughs> and they did i mean a 2000 pound car did a lot of damage so he was out damaging every other 
character out there. That campaign didn't last long. And wow. that creates a lot of property damage, and a lot of people get angry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, we were D&D players. Well, I was a D&D player. I don't keep track of that. You know, you yeah. just bust down the door, kill things, take their treasure. Right, yeah. Let them worry about the insurance. Yeah, that's that's what got. <laughs> State Farm is there. <laughs> um, so that was my Villains of Vigilantes you know, experience. What is it? That one that says, you know, we've seen it, we've been there. We've uh, been farmers. Sh- farmers. They should do like a D&D related one. Yeah, like good, one-off luck, comedy. good luck selling them on yeah. that. Yeah. So, okay. A lot uh, of farmers play D&D. <laughs> <laughs> when they're not on farmersonly.com. Right. Okay, so uh, still with third edition, um, we come into the prestige classes. Yeah, so third edition, just because, uh, of course, we want to put things in historical perspective. First edition, fighter is very basic. Right. You got armor class, you got hit points, you attack. Second edition, now we get, you know, you start the same way, but you have those prestige classes. So you can switch and become a cavalier or samurai or barbarian, right? But they're still pretty basic. You get yeah. a, a handful of extra abilities. Third edition rewrote the game. Now fighters become as complex as other classes because those feat selections really matter, mm-hmm. right? Um, actually, second edition, not prestige classes. They were just the kits. I'm sorry. The kits in second edition. Third edition, you have those feats. The order you take the feats, what feats you take, really differentiate your fighter from every other fighter. Um, and then a prestige class further differentiates you, which is a problem 5th edition has, which we'll probably talk about in a little bit here. Um, so fighters' complexity went way up. Now, granted, when you started, they didn't have to be that complex. But 3rd edition was a classic one in my mind for having to plan your character out before you even rolled the first die. You'd be like, where do I want to end up with this character? What do I need to start taking? Because you right. could— you could really mess up a character by making the wrong pick at level five. You know, one of the reasons I'm not a big fan of third edition. <laughs> well, the the prestige classes were the Cavalier, the Frenzied Berserker, Frenzied Berserker, Frenzied, not friend zoned. No, <laughs> no, and the Weapons Master. And apparently, there was also a variant that I had never heard of, and it was called the Thug. Which there's actually a I I can't say I had ever heard of that. If it's, you looked on D and D Beyond, there's a brute unearthed arcana fighter subclass for fifth edition. It's it's not official. It was uh-huh. put out there with unearthed arcana, but um, it's so apparently that's that's persisted. Yeah, the thug was a, somebody who gained more skills than your normal fighter, but you could only use light armor. Yeah, similar to a barbarian, really. I mean, it sounds like it. Yeah, yeah. So. there's there was a lot third. You know, things exploded three and three point five with what you could what you could do with a fighter. Um, and with three point five, uh, I can't recall. I, to be honest with you, my time with three point was very limited. I was almost immediately thrown into three point five when I came in. Yeah. So uh, three point five, the fighter really doesn't change much except to get a l- little bit more depth in uh, the choice of feats. Yeah, I forgot. What? How was how how much time was there between? Three and three. Three years. Two thousand to two thousand and three. Really? Yeah. yeah. It didn't That's really I, not that long. No. no, there was some things that three people didn't like and they really wanted to, to With, without, fix it really quick. Without yeah. getting too in depth, what were those things? Because I don't know myself. I mean, like I said, I think I bought the three edition because I didn't have or I you know, I wanted to get into the game, but somebody gave me I shouldn't say I bought them, somebody gave me their three and I was kind of using it for 3.5. What was so bad about 3.0 that they went well, three years later and completely 
set you Once on again, a whole Dean, new... it would be nice to get the uh, question ahead of time. <laughs> I'm not exactly positive. I played 3 and 3.5 uh, briefly. I sort of messed around with them, but not in-depth enough that I could... I could come up well, with maybe some of our right. listeners know that, and they can uh, chime in on the SoundCloud or our podcast and let us know. So, okay, let's go on to, and I think we can all agree here, while second edition was my maligned edition, fourth edition I think everybody kind of, <laughs> <laughs> in general, just kind of hated. Yeah, I think we badmouthed that quite a bit on this yeah. podcast. Um, <laughs> one of the things in my research, it uh, the fighter took on the role of the tank, which I got two questions on that. When wasn't it taking on the role of the tank? And when did that whole tank uh, nomenclature come around? The tank was, in my opinion, was a direct result of MMOs, an online, massive multiplayer online game, where you had a group and you pigeonholed people into you're either a tank, you're a healer, or you're DPS, damage per second. I, I don't even remember hearing those terms until, well, healer, I mean. Yeah. I, but yeah. I don't think we referred to it as healer back back no, in the day. No. I think it, you were the cleric. Yeah, the cleric was the healer. It was given that if you were a cleric, you were the healer of the party. You were the medic, essentially. But yeah. that, that name, healer, or I should say tank, I think you're right. It was probably using that MMO yeah. stuff. And, you know, that's just pigeonholes people into roles, which I'm not a fan of because— that's the strength of tabletop game. You're you can go anywhere you want with that. That's why you have a DM, a live DM. Um, they can, if you want to lead somewhere, a good DM will follow you to that place and and let the chips fall where they may. So I I have very little experience with fourth edition. Either of you guys have much? I mean, with the information yeah. that we came up with, uh, they still are very high on the hit points, good in defense and protection abilities. Um, it came up with kind of a defensive and an offensive uh, form of the fighter. It was the great weapon fighter, who was the offensive one, and the guardian fighter was the defensive version. Yeah. Um, I have very little information on that other than that. We still sort of have that split. I mean, people, for most of the classes in 5th edition, there's a more defensive version and a more offensive version. All my characters are offensive, but... Um, yeah. <laughs> He's a little offensive himself at times. Uh, all my characters anything. are little mirror images of me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, that, and that's a good distinction to make. It does help differentiate the characters a little bit. Yeah. Uh, the Essentials came out, and it supplied us with the Knight and Slayer, which are, again, mainly defensive type. Uh, well, Slayer's probably offensive. Yeah, but uh, who knows? I don't know. I didn't, I didn't play it. I think we're spending way too much on 4th yeah. edition. <laughs> but we do more, need to um, more than 30 seconds yeah we do need to, uh, something about marking a yeah. target first time we saw that again MMOs right that was a thing in World of Warcraft um, I don't know if a thing in EverQuest I don't want to go back too far but I know for sure World of Warcraft you mark targets certain classes had that ability right and um, what it allowed was it was a minus two to the attack roll uh, of the how do I say it of the marked target uh, if I was not the yeah, and we still have that target of that opponent. So, okay, so enough of fourth edition. Now let's get into what we're here to really talk about: fifth edition. And I am—I know Greg's got his uh, PHB out, and I've got D and D Beyond up. 
So uh, let's start talking about the fighter. We are still and always shall be, I think, D10. Uh, D10, which is not a bad thing to be if you're going to be out in the front swinging a sword, taking yeah. the hits. Somebody asked me about one of my First through like, the door. house rules. I, have, I only have two or three house rules, but one of them is that if you level and you roll less than the die average for your hit points, you get to take the average. Because it sucks having a D10 and rolling a 1. Right. You know? I kind of have that. I tell my players they can either take the average or they can roll the dice, and then they have to take what they want. Or yeah. not take what they want, take what they choose. So if you know if you're in my game and you're leveling up and you're a fighter and you say I'm going to take a chance and roll the d10, if you get the four, my that's friend, what you're stuck my with. friend Jeremy has an interesting uh, mechanism. He's the one who runs the online Pathfinder. He rolls and you roll, and then you decide whether you want his roll or your roll, but you don't know what his roll is. Oh wow! <laughs> but if you roll a one, yeah, I'm also take his roll. I mean, statistically, I think if you have a D10 and you roll under a 5, you should take his roll. Probably, yeah. That's interesting. I don't know how well that would go <laughs> with my group. I don't know how that would go. All right, yeah. so they're proficient in all armor, shields, simple, and martial yeah, weapons. Yeah, they can use it all. They can use it all. Which is relevant for my character at the end of the podcast. All right, all right. Uh, you now have to pick a fighting style. Yeah. And it's a one-time choice. Well, not really. Explain. Uh, there are some subclasses in 5th edition that let you choose an additional fighting style. Oh, that's true. So, yeah. But generally, yes, it's a one-time right. choice. Or you could multi-class into another class with a fighting style like Ranger and get to pick a second one. There's the old min-max. That is definitely yeah, the min-max. I, <laughs> I love to min-max fighters, by the way. So, uh, And the fighting styles are... <laughs> Who wants to go through these? Uh, Greg should do the first one because yeah. of his character. Yeah, okay. Let's see. All right, we got uh, we got archery. Yeah. Plus two uh, to ranged weapon attack rolls. That's huge. Your base attack bonus at first level is plus two. Yeah. And now your fighters get an additional plus two, plus your dex is probably at least a 16. I would think so. So now you have plus six to hit level one. Right. That makes them an offensive yeah. powerhouse early on. Exactly. Uh, the other fighting and, style? And, and hopefully you don't have a ranger in the group that's going to, you know, feel like their toes are being stepped on. <laughs> and they probably but, uh, took sharpshooter, which makes them incredibly overpowered. Which no, it Don't doesn't. get me started on that. <laughs> it makes them effective. I'm hearing a little tension. <laughs> they just did a survey on what we, you know, Wizards of the Coast did a survey online. Uh, yeah, but last, last and, month, um, yeah. They asked, you know, what spells are broken, what feats are broken. And spells, you know, I, I can mess with that. But sharpshooter, great weapon master are way overpowered compared to the other feats. There are tons of feats that are underpowered, but those two need to be revised. Mm. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> that, would, that, would, that would impact me quite a bit. Anyway, um, we, got our, uh, we got our defensive fighting style, or defense, with uh, plus one to an AC bonus. Uh, it is okay. I mean, that doesn't I seem like fun. As a primary, no. <laughs> but if you're picking up the second one, and you're going for like a tanky fighter, plate mail, shield, plus one for defense. Yeah, could be good. Yeah, but you want to hit things. I have taken that yeah. as, as my fighting style for some characters. You're right, Greg. Yeah. You want to hit things. You want to hit things. Yeah. So uh, you can go dueling, which is a plus two damage bonus with a melee weapon. But it has to be a single one-handed weapon, I believe. Okay, that, that was a, that was a yeah. question I was yes. going to have. Is, uh, with is a melee weapon in one hand and yeah. no other weapons. Yeah, I'm dredging this from memory. I'm proud of myself. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Then we got great weapon, if you're not happy with your uh, dueling 
bonus, yeah. which is uh, reroll damage of one and two if a two-handed weapon. I do not like that one. Explain why. Okay, so for one thing, some weapons, it, it's more effective for, like, great swords that roll 2d6 than it is for weapons that roll 1d12 because you're going to use it twice as much on a 2d6 weapon. And in general, I don't like abilities that kick in when you suck. (laughs) Right? I mean, like, uh, the plus one AC is every swing. Mm -hmm. The plus two to hit is every swing. The one to two is when you suck. And we'll cover that again a little bit in the future because there's other abilities that, um, as part of some of the fighter classes that have that. But I can see some of that, uh, some of the logic in that, because, you know, sometimes the dice do roll you. Yeah. And uh, I I can understand that. But I mean, the thing is, great weapons are already overpowered in 5th edition, generally. So they didn't want to give another plus two bonus to them because that would just be crazy. But re-rolling a die, whoop-de-doo, it's, I don't know. <laughs> uh, just not it's, a fan of that It's one. not exciting. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. Okay. And uh, adjunct to defense is protection, yeah. which is to impose disadvantage on a creature uh, attack when you are not the target or a target, and you uh, must have a shield within five feet. Of the person being targeted. Mm-hmm. I like that one. That can really mess up a DM's day if used effectively. Yeah. And um, would you say that's kind of a holdover from 4th edition? The uh, whole yeah, I think it. Yeah, I think it came in. Um, there's a neat little rule um, as a DM, if you want to mess up a rogue's day, um, rogues can sneak attack when they have an ally adjacent or when they have advantage. Um, if a rogue's in melee and they're standing next to a target and you're adjacent to their target, you can impose disadvantage, and sneak attack says you cannot have disadvantage in order to get sneak attack. <laughs> so you can negate a rogue sneak attack, which will make you the most hated DM in the world when you do that. Ooh, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. All right. And then and, the last uh, one. Yep, down there at the bottom we've got uh, good old two-weapon fighting, which is to uh, add the, your uh, ability score to the damage and a second attack. Yeah, that's the, the Dritz style. If people wow. want two weapon fighter, it takes a while. Like there's three pieces that need to be put in place to be an effective two weapon fighter in fifth edition, which I don't necessarily mind. I think um, that's that's actually pretty good because you can get that free attack, a bonus mm-hmm. action attack, pretty easily. But it's pretty minor unless you invest some of your character resources into making it more effective. I like that mechanic. Okay, so uh, in addition to all of those things that you have to choose the first time out. Um, you get your second wind, uh, which is essentially you get a 1d10 plus your level uh, back of H, uh, HP. Yeah, that's as good. a bonus action, Yes, which is critical. I mean, that's just sort of like, I need to heal. Um, there's not a lot of healing. Well, healing word is a bonus action, mm-hmm. but you don't do it on your... Well, you could do it on yourself, I suppose, but um, generally you're doing it on other people. Uh, potions... Some rules, uh, some groups house rule that potions to yourself are a bonus action, which I don't mind. I think that's a reasonable thing, but um, it's practical. Per you know, rules as written, it's an action to drink a potion. You get two d four plus two. Mm-hmm. That healing, that uh, second wind is sort of nice. You just kick it in, and right. and it's and fighters most of their stuff recharges on short rests, so you don't have to be stingy with it. If you can get, get an hour rest, you get it back. Right. Okay, so now at uh, second level, should you survive that long, 
most of us do. <laughs> yes. Uh, you get your action surge, which is an additional action on top of your regular action. And if you're a min-maxer, oh, my God, action surge is awesome. So how would you do that as a professed min-maxer? Okay, so here's the rule. Mm-hmm. The rule for spell casting is that if you cast a spell with, I believe it's written with a bonus action, your other spell can only be a cantrip. Like, you can only cast... I think that's right. Something to that effect. Um, yeah. Um, but I'm pretty sure I should, probably should have looked this up just to verify that if you have two actions, you can actually cast two spells in a round, right? So I can cast one spell with one action, action surge, cast my second spell. It's one of the few ways spellcasters can get two spells per round um, just for that reason alone. The ability to get an extra action, no matter what it is, at some point during an adventure is sort of awesome. Plus, you pick up that fighting style at first level. So splashing two levels of fighter is often a, uh, a popular choice to sort of make a character that's really effective at one thing, whatever you want that to be. Okay, so as you move on up the levels, you get to third level, and here's where... You kind of get yeah, into we... some of the really cool parts of the fighter. And the fighter is much more, uh, uh, it's a deeper character now, much deeper than yes. it was in the previous versions of the game. Your martial archetype, at third level, you have to choose an archetype. Yeah, our subclasses. Subclasses, right. Um, and I hate the fact that they do not, I say archetype, everybody says subclasses, they mean the same thing. But there's no definitive, you know, what do you call them? I mean, yeah, no, I agree. I've started calling them subclasses. I stumbled forever since came out. It wasn't until we probably started doing this podcast. I was like, okay, I'm just going to call them subclasses. Right. Like You, you had know. to pick what you were going to call them, and that was yeah, it. Because they're not really archetypes. I mean, I don't know. As Greg says, it's printed. It's right uh, there. It's, it's for real. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if it's on the internet, it must be true. It's right there. And so, we're going to go in alphabetical order, I guess, because that's the way. Did, is that, um, no, we didn't. We no. didn't write them that way. Well, if, I think we did. No, because we put champion for battle. Right. Well, I I took it from how it's in the Maybe handbook. he needs a, maybe. Okay. Okay. Brush so anyway. On alphabet. Well, all right. <laughs> I think champion is the most stereotypical throwback type fighter. It's your solid, I'm just a sword swinger. Right. Who can stand in front and take the hits? Exactly. Um, it's not really. Uh, it's not all that cool. I mean, it's pretty. You mm, know what? Meh. It would be, except for Battlemaster, um, which we'll cover next. Yeah. I think Battlemaster outshines it enough that I don't see a lot of champions. But that first ability as a champion, which is improved critical, you mm-hmm. crit on a nineteen or twenty. Right. There's yeah, that's very nice. few ways to increase your crit range. There's a couple other subclasses that do it short term. I think the Hexblade will crit on a nineteen twenty. Which brings up a real quick question. Um, I remember in some, maybe it was all the way back to first edition. Some weapons had an improved times three. Yeah. Yeah, an improved. Uh, I think uh, was, critical came all the way to third edition. Did it make it all the way to third edition? Yeah. Like, I remember like the scimitar or not the scimitar. The rapier had like a nineteen twenty on a critical hit, or something to that effect. Yeah, I think I, I think came it was eighteen twenty. Yeah. Yeah. That se- I seem to remember that one when I was uh, doing that uh, first edition run at uh, Gary. That Con. was a first yeah. edition thing. Let's let's just. Look. Well, regardless, I mean, we have um, uh, we've got the champion, the battle master, and the eldritch knight, and we're going to talk about the champion that improved critical. Uh, you get a nineteen or twenty. There were no crits in first edition. It was a house rule. 
Is that what it was? Crits and fumbles, yeah. Hmm. As far as I don't know where I got Just as a quick. Somewhere there's a table that says. In third edition, they had. Maybe that's where I'm remembering. They had crit ranges. That's it. And most were 20. Some were 1920. The occasional were 18, 1920. That's it. And yes, yeah, that's it. Right. That would be nice. Sorry. Let's get back to it. All right. So, okay. The improved critical. The remarkable athlete. I am a remarkable athlete. Uh, That's a ribbon. (laughs) You know, they talk about ribbon (laughs) abilities. I love that they say, okay, you can add half of your proficiency bonus to any strength, dex, or con. um, Which is plus one. Right. At third level. Yes, exactly. And you can jump really far. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, that's an... I always... Like poo-poo, poo-poo the gramp, grappling rules for every edition. But the jumping rules are also equally absurd much of the time. Like how far creatures can jump yeah. in the wearing, air and distance. Wearing plate mail and carrying yeah, 5,000 yeah. gold pieces. Yeah. Can you jump, you know, 15 feet yeah. and right. land on your feet? Yeah. Well, at some point we'll have to do the cal- – I'll have to bring in the calculation for the fastest fifth edition character can move. It's like a tabaxi monk barbarian, and I think it's like 5,000 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah. What? I, I'll bring in the uh, – maybe next podcast okay. we'll, we'll open with that. All Actually, right. maybe – That's why tabaxis are awesome. Yeah, maybe we'll, we'll do an opening with it. Mm. There we go. Okay. Um, here's where you were talking about the additional fighting style. Uh, the yes. champion at 10th level gets the additional fighting style. Yep. And uh, then – Which could be really pretty cool. And – and if you survive to 15th level, <laughs> bada boom, bada bing, the superior super crit, crit. Yeah. the superior crit. Wow. 18 nice. to 20. So, I mean, if I want to play a straight fighter, if, if a new player shows up at my table, never played an RPG again, I'm steering them champion. I mean, it's exciting. You know, critting is exciting. It's <laughs> yes, fun. It is. Yeah. Um, and they get to crit twice as much as everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um you know, that fighting style makes them better. That's where you pick up the defense, maybe. Or, you know, you pick up the dueling, and uh, I think dueling and protection might work together. I don't think you have to ha- not have a shield for dueling. I think it's just you. It's a one-handed weapon. So that's a good combo. You know, it's a solid pick. Champion, nothing wrong with champion. Like no. I said, it's fun to roll crits. But compared to the others, which we're going to get into, it's pretty uh, – it, it just doesn't shine as much. Yeah, it's yeah. just not not exciting, right? Um, but don't let us deter you from picking the champion. And finally, at 18th level, you become a survivor. Um, you're basically, you know, as they say, you attain the pinnacle of resilience in battle. Um, so is that just, when you drop to zero hit points, or is that yes? Yeah, yeah. So you regain your hit points equal to five plus your. Well, if you have no more than half of your hit points left, you gain. Oh. Okay. Uh, so you regain damaged. hit points equal to five plus your constitution. Is that just when you roll initiative, or when does that happen? I've never played a fighter that high. It's at the start of each of your turns. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's pretty. So it's like a perpetual. Uh, you always get a little boost every time. Yeah. Huh. Uh, what's the word? I'm like, uh, perpetual. What's the ability? Uh, second wind, almost. Mm, yeah. That's like a, a third wind. That's, yeah, <laughs> a third wind. Yeah. And fourth and fifth and sixth as long as the battle goes on okay we get into the battle master yeah and this is why i think uh champion is not more popular all right well you want to talk about the battle master yeah so the battle master um they pretty quickly um they get battle uh combat superiority they get maneuver dice right and i will have to say i had a uh, in my mo- my recent game um, 
one of my players attained that level, and he picked Battlemaster. And his uh, contributions to combat have exponentially increased. I mean, he's much more of a uh, a, a real... Uh, yeah. He's he's carrying a lot of weight of the battle now. Yeah. I mean, mm. you become a tactical powerhouse at this point. You start with three maneuvers. You get additional maneuvers at 7th, 10th, and 15th. Two additional maneuvers. So you end up with 10, mm -hmm. right? You get four superiority dice. And we need to talk D8s. about what superiority dice yeah, what are and what how they do? are used. Yeah. So it varies based on a maneuver, but yeah. they're D8s. Um, you, when you use it, you expend it, um, and you get them all back on a short or long rest. And then you get okay. another one at 7 and 15. So you end up with six of these superiority dice. But, but they come back on a short rest. Yeah. For the fighting key points. They yeah, are, basically. because you get to add those dice rolls to certain maneuvers, you know, uh, for instance, disarm. Yeah, and, and it varies on maneuvers. Sometimes yeah. you add to damage. Um, most sometimes, of the time you add to damage. Or sometimes it's affecting a saving throw uh, of the target or the opponent. Do you apply that before or after the roll? After. After. Oh, so you roll crap, you get to throw that extra dice. But I believe you, you have You declare the maneuver. Yeah, oh, you okay. have to declare it. And okay. If you're, and then I think you also did. Although that varies by table. If somebody was like, if somebody rolled to hit, and then. Do you. No, it says you, most of the time you have to do it ahead of time. Yeah. So you have to declare also that you're going to use the superiority die. Yeah. It's so, not like a key point that you can declare, like, after you hit, I'm going to use stunning strike. You so, for to. instance, um, uh, you roll and you say, okay, I'm going to attack this guy and I'm going to use the superiority dice to help me. Actually, no, you can declare after. Now that I'm reading it. Yeah, you, you can? can. So like a disarming strike. After you hit a creature with a weapon attack, you can expend one superiority die. Okay. So, yeah. Um, so you can declare it after. Um, so there's a million of these maneuvers. Mm -hmm. You end up with a bunch of them. And some of them are critical. Like some of them are huge just because of the way they interact with things. So so the first one, Commander Strike. Basically, when I when a fighter attacks, which they almost always do, you can forego one of your attacks and use your bonus action to direct one of your companions a strike. Now, at first glance, you'd be like, well, that sucks. You're giving up possibly two attacks to allow one person to attack. But God. if that person is a rogue, they can get a second sneak attack. Because the rules for sneak attack are you only get one sneak attack per turn. Each character has their own turn. NPCs have a turn. So you sneak attack on your own turn as a rogue, and then the fighter lets you attack on their turn. You have to use your reaction still, but assuming you're in position for a sneak attack, you get a second sneak attack every combat round. And that rogue sneak attack is going to do way more damage than that fighter's hit in most cases. Hmm. And... You have to use a superiority die, and the person you're commanding mm -hmm. gets to use the superiority die to on the their attack. damage. On their damage, yeah, uh, the attack's damage roll. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, Which, so it does nice. even more damage. Yeah, you know. I mean, that's usually the case. Superiority die normally gets added to the to the damage right. roll in some way. Um, disarming attack. It's exactly what you think it would be. Yep, you can use a die, and uh, they do get a stre strength saving throw. Right. Um, and it's but, on the attack's damage roll, not the two-hit roll. Yes, yes. Um, it's almost always the damage. So um, so if your damage roll is a one, then you're definitely going to want to use a couple of superiority dice. No, I mean, Maybe it's only going to add a D8. That's true. It's more the effect you're going for. The damage yeah. is just fla flavor. I mean, you get a little bit extra 
extra damage on on an attack. Does the actual damage go, or is it just it's a strength saving throw? On the disarming attack, you hit, you do the damage, you add the superior die to the damage, and then they make a saving throw, which is based off of your your ability score and your proficiency bonus, things like that. Um, And if they fail, they drop whatever they're holding. Take the damage and drop the weapon. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, distracting strike, no big deal. Evasive <laughs> footwork. Um, you can add your spirit when you're hit, or after you move, you can roll your superiority die and add that to your armor class until you stop moving. So basically, if you're going to take attacks of opportunity, um, I don't think it's worth it. Feigning attack. It's the dance-off skill. <laughs> yeah, you can give yourself advantage. Goading, you can get people to target you. Um, if they don't target you, they they get disadvantaged targeting everybody else, which is similar to one of the earlier edition mm-hmm. fighter abilities, you know, mm. marking. I see. That's um, the time where you're going, nee, 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 nee. Lunging attack. You can extend your range by five feet, which is awesome if you're a bugbear <laughs> with a halberd. <laughs> yeah. Because you're already 10 feet. Bugbears get plus five feet when they attack. Again, only on their attack. That's not... For the entire time, only when they attack. But, but then you nice. do a lunging attack, and a bugbear 20 feet away is smacking something. <laughs> That's awesome. Just because it's 20 feet. I uh, like bugbears. <laughs> maneuvering. You can sort of move people around without provoking attacks of opportunity. Oh. Um, which is also a bard. One of the bard colleges lets you do that with, um, I believe it's glamour. Um, menacing attack. Uh, you can try to frighten an opponent. Frighten, it's okay. It's... Greg's character ends up frightened in my campaign a lot for no apparent reason. No, he it, can't it really, roll saving it's, it's honestly, if you say, you know, uh, you know, everybody uh, roll to see if you're frightened, it's like my dice are scared of that. And I, I never roll above like a <laughs> the four. The first five. dragon battle, he never broke fright until the dragon was. There was two dragons, actually, until they were dead. Yeah. <laughs> but luckily, he's an archer. He doesn't have yeah. to close towards his target. No. Um, it's it's parry, really annoying. Um Use your reaction, expend one spirit or die to reduce damage equal to your spirit or die dex modifier. Mm-hmm. I'm, again, not a big fan of that because you use a reaction as well. It'd be nicer if it was just a spirit or die. Uh, precision attack. Um, you can use the die after you roll to add it to the roll before the results are announced. Any, any ability that lets you modify die rolls in 5th edition is by definition overpowered. I love that ability. Uh, <laughs> Uh, pushing attack, uh, I don't know if it's worth taking as a maneuver. It's it's so, you know, based on where you're at, um, whether it's effective or not. Rally, um, they give temporary hit points to somebody. Repost, I like this one. When you get missed, you can use your reaction and expend a superiority die to make a melee weapon attack against that creature. Um, and if you hit, you add your superiority die. If you're a rogue and you dropped three levels in fighter... And you pick up repost again. You can get two sneak attacks around. Anytime somebody attacks you, you get to repost. And if you're in position to sneak attack, you have an ally adjacent. Ta-da! Uh, <laughs> sweeping attack. That's why we have it. Um, you can hit two <laughs> creatures basically. And trip attack. You can knock somebody down. Not a fan of that uh, because they are knocked down until it's their turn. So. That's based on initiative order, yeah. whether that's effective. If you go right after them, it's perfect. If you go right before them, it sucks because you knock them down and they stand up. Um, so those are the, the maneuvers. Um, of the thing, I love Commander Strike. I love uh, the Repost. Um, precision Attack, also pretty good. The rest of them you know, can really flesh out a character. All right. 
Okay, so we finally go in of the remaining or the last of the core subclasses yeah, so or archetypes. Right there, oh, the, the maneuvers. You know we, we missed some stuff also. Yeah, there's other stuff in about right there just with the maneuvers. Battlemaster is is the fighter class of preference. And we haven't even talked about the stuff uh, they get at higher levels. And you're right. You're absolutely right. I almost missed it because yeah. you've got, what, four more things that you can do uh, at third level. Student of War. You gain, well, although yeah. I don't understand this, you gain proficiency with an artisan tool of your choice. Yeah, that doesn't come up a lot. No. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think the guy that, uh, uh, in my campaign, he picked, like, brewery. <laughs> yeah. Brewers. Well, I mean, smithing, leatherworking. Yeah. Right, yeah. Uh, at seventh level, Know Your Enemy, which I think is kind of cool. Um, it's very GM, DM dependent. Yes, it is. Yeah. It is. But if you spend at least a minute observing and interacting with another creature outside of combat, you can learn certain things about them. But it's up to the DM yeah. about how what often, you find out. How often does the fighter have a chance to watch something for a minute before you start yeah. trying to kill it? But it is kind of a cool little dynamic. It is. Yeah. It is. Um, I would see it more in the role of role-playing. Yeah, know? it is exactly why it's yeah. DM dependent. If you have a yeah. very role-play heavy group, which then, mine is, yes. you know, you have your Bond villain. It likes to talk to their victims for a minute before, <laughs> you know, tying them to a laser table. Right. You know, yeah. in that case, you could use it. Yep. Uh, at 10th level, you get improved combat superiority. So your uh, superiority dice go to D10s instead of D8s. Mm-hmm. And again, that nice. also at 18th level, they become D12s. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, that at that point, you're like crazy. Yeah, and when you're rolling a d12 and subtracting that or adding that to it to hit roll, I mean, yeah. you're hitting. You're, yeah. You're, yeah. You're right. going to hit every yeah. time. Uh, at 15th level, you are relentless. Uh, when you roll initiative and have no superiority dice remaining, you get one, uh, yeah. which at that point is going to be a d10. Yeah. Um, and then uh, you had all the, uh, well, we're back into the maneuvers. Which yeah, and... and Again, not a fan of that t- capstone ability because it it is reliant upon you sucking. Like, here we are at the finale, and I've blown all my resources, so give me one superiority die to try to take down the lich. You know? Ah, I don't know. Isn't that kind yeah, of what like inspiration it. points are for also? Yeah. I mean, well. Self-inspiration. Inspiration's a very muddied concept yes. in 5th edition. Yeah. So. They're supposed to be for being cool, in my opinion, and playing your character the way your character would play. Um, in fact, they're more like oh shit points. Like <laughs> they can be used that and way. By the book, you have to use it before you roll. Uh, but most tables I play at, the DM, including me, lets you roll after mm-hmm. because it's cooler. You're like, okay, I missed that roll. I really want. Can I burn an inspiration? Yeah, I'll let you burn an inspiration. Like it's cooler to do things than to not do things. Right. Okay, so we move into the Eldritch Knight, which is probably the first time that the fighter gets magical abilities in the game. Is that there true was probably or not? some kits that gave it, and don't forget, first edition bards had to have levels either a fighter or a rogue. Right, mm-hmm. right. So they ended yeah. up getting magical abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, but I bet you there were some kits in third edition or some uh, prestige class. I'd, I would be willing to bet there was prestige classes that gave him access to spells at some yeah. point. Well, at least in 5.0, it is codified. You are now able to cast spells at third level. Yeah. And you know what? I don't think I've ever run into an Eldritch Knight. I actually was uh, playing an Eldritch Knight at GaryCon. Really? Now, this was a high-level game, and it was pre-generated, but I was loving the hell out of it. It was, you know... I was able to wade in, do some damage, step out, 
Blast Again, away. I go back to my character Grim, who's got two levels in cleric and eventually 18 levels in wizard. Now he's got like nine or something. Wears plate mail because he's a Tempest cleric, wields a flaming longsword. He is probably a better fighter and a better spellcaster than the Eldritch Knight. Hmm. You know, I don't get the multiple attacks unless I haste right. myself. But would he be as good of an Eldritch Knight at that same level? I tell you what, with, I mean, you got to consider, let's look at a 7th level Eldritch Knight versus me, who's 7th level, but I have 5 levels in Wizard. I don't know, that's... Okay. Yeah. I'm just saying, there's some awesome 5th level, you know, 3rd level Wizard spells that could mess up a fighter's day. Yeah. And what are the two class? You're, you're a, a... Two levels of Tempest Cleric and the rest in Wizard. Divination wizard. So I have yeah, my ward. There's no fighter in there. Well, exactly. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so now you have Eldritch Knight, who's a fighter, who's got this like wizard tinge to him. I'm not impressed. Because hmm. if I can do a better job, not even taking a fighter of being a fighter. Oh, I agree. You know, I agree. Yeah. I, I just and there's, you know, like we said, they they just released that survey and they ask opinions about some of these subclasses or or you know um, what is the other word. Uh, oh, uh, archetype. Archetypes. But I don't have an opinion on many of them because I haven't either played them or even DM'd them. I don't think I've ever DM'd an Eldritch Knight. And the reason for that is probably because I'm not the only one that thinks they don't, <laughs> that they suck. <laughs> you know, like, if you don't, I mean, I Harsh. DM a lot of people. Yeah. I pl- DM conventions. I DM at right. the local game store. And I've never run into an Eldritch Knight. Clearly, there, there's some flaws in this class. But let's review it. And, yeah. and well, I was, I was having fun with the one that I was running. Okay. Having fun. Um, so but, you, but you were high level, though. I wonder right. if it's just maybe true. less fun at a lower level. That could or be. Or people, yeah, like Eric, are just like, well, we can just multi-class and get right. the same thing. So at third level, you're able to do cantrips from the wizard list, and spells have to come from abjuration and the evocation Which wizard Which are list. the two best schools. Right. <laughs> um, and then when you get to uh, eighth, 14th, and 20th level, you can cast from any school. Yeah. So um, let's see. Uh, weapon bonding. Uh, this is uh, where you, at third level, you can bond to a weapon via magical means, and there's a whole ritual and process that goes with this, but you cannot be disarmed of that weapon. Yeah, which, depending on the kind of campaign you're running, could be really useful. Yes. Um, What is also kind of cool is that you can teleport it to your hand via summoning. Yeah. Well, the heck, there's other classes that do that as well. But, I mean, it's it's cool. Yeah, and the spells, you you have... Similar to like a sorcerer as an Eldritch Knight, you have certain number of spells that you know. Right. Right. Yeah. I, you don't have a spell book. You just have these spells, mm-hmm. and then you can you can swap them out. I believe when you level. I yeah. There's a whole you know the the spell slots and all that kind of stuff. But uh, going on at seventh level, war magic. Um, essentially, when you use a cantrip, you can make an uh, a weapon attack as a bonus action. Yeah, but so here you are as a fighter. I'm going to use my action to cast a cantrip. And then I get to make a single weapon attack as a bonus action. So let's think about that. If I just take the attack action, I probably get three attacks, depending on my level. At fifth level, I get two attacks. Mm -hmm. So I'm giving up two weapons attacks for a cantrip and a weapon attack. But sometimes the situation may call for a bit of magic. But what cantrip am I using? Who knows? That's worthwhile. 
I mean, if it's a damaging cantrip, I'm probably going to do... You've been in games where somebody pulls something out of their hat, and they are just so creative. Yes, hat. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to be a little PG here, Greg. Uh, And it just works, and it makes the game. So my first thought for that, Green Flame Blade. That would be awesome. I cast Green Flame Blade. Oh, wait a minute. Green Flame Blade already lets me make a weapon attack. So now, you know, I do that extra damage... And I get another weapon attack on top of that. So now I'm at two attacks plus my green flame blade damage, which does level with character level, mm-hmm. right? So so it is. So that wouldn't be too bad, but it's not as good as it sounds in my opinion. I, I'm basically trading apples for oranges. It could be useful, but remember, I only have a handful of cantrips. It's not like I'm picking right. any cantrip. Well, I'm not saying it's great. Yeah. I'm just saying it's, it, there are times when it may be necessary that a little magic before the fight will help. Okay, uh, Eldritch Strike. At 10th level, uh, you learn how to make your weapon strikes uh, undercut their re- uh, uh, target's resistance to your spells. Can I go back like eight podcasts really quickly? Because <laughs> it relates to this. Okay, go ahead. Again, that bonus. I have to surrender my bonus action to make this weapon attack. Mm-hmm. Remember we asked when we were doing wizards what first and second level spells we would take as our like yeah. cast forever spells. And I... I, I said inv- invisibility for my second level. First level, shield, hands down. That's the one I'm taking. I changed my mind on second level, and that's the same reason I am not impressed with that ability there. My second level spell, Misty Step. Oh, yeah. Move 30 feet mm-hmm. as a bonus action. Hmm. Right there. If I take that spell as an Eldritch Knight, that's awesome. I can get right in the caster's face and start beating on him with a sword, but that makes that other ability sort of useless because... I'm not casting a cantrip. I'm casting a spell, and it's using my bonus action. Right. So, so that's another reason. Okay, let's okay. go and to, then, the, to the present. And 15th level, Arcane Charge. Uh, the ability to teleport up to 30 feet to an unoccupied space that you can see when you use your action surge. Yeah, Oof. which would be awesome with Misty Step. Yeah. Like the wizard oh, is, absolutely. is 90 feet away from me. I... Use my action surge so I can attack twice. I teleport 30. I misty step 30. I run 30. I'm in his face. I'm 15th level, so what am I getting? Four attacks? (laughs) (laughs) Quack, 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 quack. So you thought you were safe. That's awesome. That's a, I would love to do that. Okay, and then uh, improved war magic at 18th level. You can use your action to cast a spell... And you can make one weapon attack as a bonus action, which sounds again much like before. Eric probably yeah. doesn't really. You're, you're care passing me. up four attacks yeah. to for one attack and a spell. Which yes, I mean if you're going to cast a spell anyway, it's it's a nice little like hey here's something for your trouble. You know I have to do something. I don't know. I, <laughs> again, does does is that an ability that only becomes effective when you suck? Maybe. Yeah. If you're a fighter and you have to use your action to cast a spell, you're doing fighter wrong. That's a good point. Very good point. Very Especially good point. at 18th level. Yeah. Okay, so um, those are the core ones. And uh, we've spent a lot of time on them. I mean, you know, we're well into our podcast with over an hour already. Okay, well, we're going to zoom through these last ones. And so what we've got now are the ones, the supplemental archetype options. The first one is the... Purple Dragon Purple Knight? Purple Dragon Knight. It's a what Forgotten the? Realms thing. Yeah. Yeah, well, Sword Coast. I mean, so. second only to fourth edition on the things I dislike. 
Forgotten Realms. Uh, I know there's probably people out there going, what? That's oh the greatest at Greenwood. Yeah. Um, they get it's, something it's, called a rally cry. So it's, when it's, your, it's your Greyhawk thing coming through. That's yeah. right. It is. I'm, I'm total Greyhawk. Uh, the Purple Dragon Knight. Never encountered one ever. No, me neither. So, um, folks. They can heal allies. Yeah. Uh, yeah equal their fighter level yeah, three allies. Check it out. I don't know. Um, yeah, they, get, really they get a ribbon. They double their proficiency bonuses on persuasion. Uh, they can, when they at 10th level, when they action surge, they can give a creature an extra weapon attack or two creatures at 18th level. And uh, if at 15th, if they use Indomitable, which lets them, I, does it auto succeed? I forget what the ability is. Uh, one out, or no, re roll maybe. They can re roll saving throw they failed. They can also allow an ally. This sounds like some type of character that would be like, you know, a. a a commander, a leader, you know, some I type always, of inspiration. I always think it's the purple onion knight because I watch too much Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and he's got uh, short fingers, too. Yes. <laughs> okay, um, the Arcane Archer, and this came out of Xanathar, correct? Yeah, again, yeah. An- another class that is this really the best way to build a character? Yeah, you get some interesting abilities, but they're they're just too uh, niche. There, some of them are only usable in very specific circumstances. And right. I think you're going to spend a lot of time sitting around thinking about how it would be way cooler if you could actually use your ability. So they get either Arcana or Nature or Prestidigitation or Druid Craft as a cantrip, which mm-hmm. they can be useful. They get these Arcane Shot options um, at third level. They get two of them, and then they get additional ones at 7, 10, maybe 15, that is, and 18. Um, so Banishing Arrow, which sounds awesome. You can hit a target and banish them. They get a saving throw. They do some extra damage. Most of these arrows do an extra 2d6 damage that increases to 46 when they hit 18th level. But they're only banished until the end of the next turn. So it's like oh, that's no fun. they poof yeah. out for once. Okay, Right. Which yeah. I guess it would be overpowered if they were banished forever or, you know, but maybe they make a save every turn, you know, Something I don't know. Uh, beguiling arrow you can charm. Everybody knows how I feel about charm in fifth edition. It sucks. That's a useless ability. <laughs> Bursting arrow. It's a little explosion, ten foot radius. That's sort of cool. Yeah. Assuming you don't have allies <laughs> surrounding right, your exactly. target, that's, that's which you probably will. Yeah. Every, that's a problem with every range. Yeah. I mean, Greg runs into like that it. with his character with the lightning arrow. I love the lightning arrow. I never get to use it because all it's going to do is take out all of my allies. Yeah. <laughs> um, enfeebling arrow. You know, it can. Uh, they do half damage on weapon attacks. Again, it's a it's cool. a ability <laughs> that is contingent upon the bad guy smacking one of your friends. I would rather just him not smack my friend, right? I would rather have an ability to help there, protection. You know, give him disadvantage on the attack roll. Um, piercing arrow. Uh, oh, you forgot grasping. Oh, arrow. grasping arrow. Uh, uh, if they that's. Sort of cool. If they move, yeah. they take extra damage for the next minute. So it's like Grasping Vines, yeah. which is a higher-level spell. I don't know if that's the actual name of it. But it, it lasts for a while. So that's sort of cool as a you know denial um, or crowd control sort of ability. Um, piercing Arrow. Uh, there's no attack roll for that. They take a deck save. And if they fail, they take the arrow damage plus a D6. So... Basically, if you really want to hit somebody and you 
they, it's near impossible to hit them with a attack roll, you can make them make a saving throw. Right. That's a distinction that's important, and a lot of people miss, a lot of players. as a, Especially as a caster, you want both spells at each level that require an attack roll and a saving throw, because sometimes one is in, near impossible to get, and the other one's not. I see a lot of times people always go for the saving throws. And when you get a creature that's making saves, it has legendary resistance, guess what? Those saving throws are all going to be successful. So you want the attack rolls on some of those uh, and vice versa. Seeking arrow. <laughs> this is just weird. <laughs> it's like a, a seeking missile. It, it, you choose a creature you've seen in the past minute. It flies toward the target, ignoring three-quarters or less cover if it's within range. And the range on longbow is pretty far. It yeah. does, that could be like in a different room through seven doorways or right. around yeah. eight corners. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> and That's then if they crazy. make a deck cool. save and they take damage. Yeah. And then shadow arrows, just peculiar. You know, they, they make a save. And if they fail, they can't see more than five feet away, which is sort of like a quasi blindness. What all of these sound like to me is things that would be really great magical arrows to find. Yeah, not I, yeah. It's not a skill a, you would want. I was thinking I would the want same, a quiver with like two of each of these. I was yeah. thinking the same thing, Greg. It's like those are yeah. better magic are, arrows. Yeah, they're awesome magic abilities. arrows. They right. are so situational. And again, my pet peeve. I don't want. I want abilities I can use all the time. Mm-hmm. I'd rather have mediocre abilities I can use all the time than great abilities I can use once in my D and D career. Yeah. You know, how often are you seeking arrow? Really? Right. Yeah. You know, why would you even take it? Um, so at seventh level, they get. Sh- uh, magic arrows, all their arrows are magic. If you don't have a magic bow and you're an arcane archer by 7th level, you suck. So, again, <laughs> right. what's the point of that ability? You're not trying hard enough. Um, curving yeah, shot. Stuff. What was that show that um, uh, it was a movie where they would, like, mock the Slayer? That, no, no, no. <laughs> no, it was it had uh, Angelina Jolie in it, and they would, like, m- carve their arrows, or not their arrows, their bullets, and if they did the right thing, they could get their bullets to, like, curve around doors and walls and stuff like that. I, I think know, it was guy called question. Wanted is the name of the Maybe. movie or something like Come that. Come on, Greg. You're the movie guy. Oh, God. You know what? I'm picturing the poster for the yeah, movie you you're talking about. Yeah, you know what I'm about. talking about. I know about. what the poster is. Yeah. And, it, yeah, it's a one-word one movie title. Oh, like God, a, see, now you've said wanted, and that's that's stuck. Yeah, yeah. Well, he'll come up with it. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm all about Man in the High Castle right now. Season oh, me three. too. Wow. Yeah. wow. Philip K. Dick. I love him. I've always wanted to watch. If you've never read the original, what, uh, uh, the the original, I'm going to say it right here. I know we're going off on a tangent. Yeah, I'll Man in the High Castle. Yeah, that book sucks. Yeah, no, I mean that book sucks, but the movie, the show is great. The Blade Runner. That's the one I was going to actually say. That you know, do androids dream of electric sheep? Not. It's a very short book um but the ideas that guy had right and that's that's where it's yeah, all I think coming it's considered from. A novella, we're just so. crazy yeah. Yeah. so see apparently right. we're not very impressed with these uh other archetypes yeah that we're like. talking about philip k dick novels <laughs> um curving shot yeah you curve ever ready shot you gain one arcane shot if none is available at battle star right yeah all right, great cavalier i like cavalier i have a cavalier um you get bonus proficiency animal handling uh there's a bunch of other stuff you could take. Um, history, insight, persu- performance, persuasion. Um, born to the saddle. So, basically, wait, wait a second. I got to go back on something here. Um, Greg, did you see in the notes here? It says persuade performance. Yeah, yeah. That was an <laughs> editing issue. I believe somebody else edited it. I actually just thought it was a really fancy ability. Yeah, <laughs> persuade performance. Yeah, so, when yeah. you perform, you're persuading at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> 
Born to the saddle. You have advantage on saves that you have to make when falling off your mount. If you fall, you land on your feet. You're like a cat. Yeah, that's kind of neat. And I mounting- wish I had done that when I had horses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and mounting and dismounting only uses five feet of movement, which is huge if you're like actually using mounts in a campaign because it sucks having to use half your movement right, to, to get, get on, on and off a mount. Yep. Um, unwavering mark. Again, you can mark a creature, and they have disadvantage on attack rolls for anything other than you. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and you hit, and if they do attack somebody other than you, you can attack them as a bonus action on your next turn with advantage and do extra damage. Um, warding maneuver. You can add a D8 as a reaction to a target within five feet of you that's being swung at. So you're defensive, similar to that protection style. Right. Hold the line, area of attack, when creature within five feet or uh, moves, well, creature within reach uh, moves five feet or more and re- reduce the speed to zero of hit. If I'm playing a Cavalier, I'm playing a Lance. I got a Lance, which mm-hmm. is one-handed. You can carry two of them uh, <laughs> if you're mounted. And I have a 10-foot reach. So now if anybody moves five feet, they don't have to move out of my threatened range. They just have to move. I can get a, an extra attack on them, which is sort of nice. And stop their movement. Ferocious Charger, you can knock people prone, which you should be doing anyway because you're on a horse. Um, yeah. And Vigilant Defender. Um, <laughs> this is crazy. At 18, you have a special reaction. It's not your reaction. It's a special reaction that you can take once on every creature's turn except your own, but it has to be used to make an opportunity attack. Now, that sounds really quirky, but remember, you have hold the line which gives you an attack of opportunity whenever anybody moves five feet or more within your range. So basically, you charge into the middle of a group of opponents, and anyone who moves, you attack. <laughs> Man, that's like... Yeah. That's crazy. That is crazy. And Whoa. and if you have an ability that gives you extra reach, that would be even more wow. awesome. Like that maneuver, which you can't get, unfortunately, because you're taking Cavalier yeah. instead of uh, Battlemaster. But, um, yeah, that would be awesome. Okay, and then the last oh, one that uh, we have. We'll oh. throw in here real quick, by the way. The movie we were talking about uh, was called Wanted. Wanted. I, I did. I had it. I had it right. Ding, ding. I had it right. Um, yeah, Samurai. Have, again, have never played one of these. Although, as I was doing the write-up for this, I like this subclass. I might play a Samurai Ninja at some point. Hmm. Um, so you get proficiency. You get your ribbon. You pick up a proficiency in one of the, the other skills. Okay, Fighting Spirit. You have advantage on weapon attacks as a bonus action until the end of your turn, plus five temporary hit points, three times per long rest. So you can give yourself advantage. If I'm playing a Samurai Ninja, that gives me sneak attack. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Elegant Courier, uh, you get a bonus to your persuasion checks um, and proficiency and wisdom saves, which is always useful. Um the proficiency, not the bonus <laughs> to your persuasion checks. Uh, level 10, Tireless Spirit. Gain one Fighting Spirit when you roll initiative and have none. So remember, you get three per long rest, but you gain one back if you don't have anyone, which is a guaranteed um, advantage on attack roll. 15, Rapid Strike. Forgo advantage to get one additional attack per turn. That's nice. Wow. Yeah, so... Any additional Remember, if I yeah. use my Fighting Spirit... And I use my bonus action, and I'm a straight samurai. At 15th level, I'm probably getting four, three or four attacks around. And I can forego advantage on each of those attacks and get six attacks. Let's say I'm up to my four attack round. I get eight attacks on one round. 
by foregoing advantage. And at that level, advantage doesn't mean a whole lot because armor classes do not keep up with the hit bonuses. I like that. And then 18 strength before death. If I'm at zero hit point, I can uh, use a reaction to take an extra turn. And I can only use this once per... So basically, if somebody drops me, all of a sudden I get to take another turn. During that turn, I can use my fighting spirit and my rapid strike. <laughs> I like this. Like I said, doing cool things is fun. Yeah. And when but somebody hits you and you're 18th level and they're going to drop you to zero and you take eight attacks... That's fun. Yeah, and then when the extra turn ends, you fall unconscious if you still have zero hit points. Yeah. So you're like, you know, it's your last strike. Yeah, but if you have second wind, which you would. That's a good point. You you could either take another eight attacks. So theoretically, you could get 16 attacks. Right. Wow. <laughs> when someone drops you to zero hit points. Jesus That's Christ. a min-maxer right. dream. All right, folks. Well, <laughs> that is more than you could ever think about knowing about the fighter. But, you know, when we get to it, the fighter is what? He's a brawler. Yeah. He's a guy who wants to just get out there and kill things. Yeah. Well, you know they have... Uh, uh, sometimes the fighters get into trouble, and they have to go into therapy. That's right. And, well, we actually... Uh, we, we A friend of ours uh, ended up at a, uh, a therapy session, and... Uh, we actually got a recording of that therapy session. It didn't go very well. Yeah, I'm surprised with the you know confidentiality that we could actually get a recording. We also had his approval. Well, you know, he's know, a dwarf, and they're not very smart. Yeah, he signed off on all kinds yeah. of things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah let's that, give that, that a listen. Form in. Yeah, let's give that a listen. Good morning, Mr. Giantsbane. Welcome to the first session of your court-ordered anger management therapy. I understand you had a recent incident where you had difficulty controlling your emotions. I had no problem controlling my emotions. I smashed my battle axe in his feckin' face. The authorities in Greyhawk have an unfavorable view towards violence within the city limits. I'm here to help you control your anger so you can become a productive member of society. Productive member? I campaigned in the Pomarge, slaying hordes of orcs. I cut through waves of goblin war riders defending the dwarves and the crystal mist mountains. Those are impressive achievements, but what about things that don't involve violence? I was born of earth and fire to wield my battle axe to slay the giants. I'm sure your parents would be very disappointed to hear you say that. What? My father was a famous giant slayer himself, and my mammy, a shield maiden who sang epic ballads as she laid waste to giant kin. It is often the case that children from dysfunctional families struggle to break the cycle of violence. Are you daft, lassie? Let's try a technique I have found effective in the past. I would like you to close your eyes and visualize a tranquil scene. Maybe a field with a small pond. Like the plains of pain, I can do that. I'm going to count backwards from ten. I want you to gradually relax your body as I count. Ten... Nine. I see a giant coming. It's at the tree line. Eight. Seven. He's running toward me with his club. Oh, he's an ugly dubber. Six. Five. Five. That's my initiative. I smash the giant. I roll a 20 critical hit. This may take more than one session. All right. Well, sounds like a lot of fighters I DM. Uh, yep, 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 yep. Yeah. yeah. That's, uh, you know, the, the key to a fighter is... How you play them. 
I mean, because they can be sort of one-dimensional sometimes. I mean, they hit things, they do a lot of damage, they suck up blows. Um, but how you play them is is critical. And, and that's, I mean, leading into the fighters we've designed for this this podcast. Who wants to start with their fighter? You want me to start? or Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, go ahead. so this is a rebuild of a uh, character I played second edition. His name was Chaka. And I'm actually going to play this character in Adventures League. Chaka? Chaka. Yeah. That was no. from Land, Land, Land of the, the Lost. C-H-A-K-A. <laughs> oh, yeah. Land of the Lost. And Chaka, you know, in, in my teen years, he, he used to speak in sort of broken barbarian English. <laughs> and he used to call wizards pointy hat because he hated wizards. Um, so... And he gives me crap about annoying characters. That's right. <laughs> okay, so now the original Chaka would like, because Barbarian's got experience for destroying magic items, so he would argue to get the best magic and, and wait destroy. a second, wait, Eric doesn't matter if it's a fighter or not. Wait, the character itself, it's the personality. Yeah. That's right. So, so here's the other thing with that I've realized in Fifth Edition: I like playing flaws more than I like playing strengths. They differentiate the characters much more. So Chaka starts as a Barbarian. Okay, I have to have two levels of Barbarian because I don't want him to wear oh, armor. I can see is this kid in a costume from the movie. The oh, show, I used, to have, I used yeah. to have a plastic club that I would bring to D&D. With the terrible teeth. And- yeah, I used to have that plastic, like the Bobby the Barbarian Club. Like, I picked it up at, like, a costume store. Um, I have to get one of those for Adventures League now that I think about it. Um, so he starts because I don't want to wear armor. I want the unarmored defense that the Barbarian gives me. And I want the rage. The rage is sort of cool, too. Okay. But then he switches to fighter for the next 18 levels. He turns out to be a battle master fighter. So here's the concept. Chaka shows up. He's wearing a loincloth. He's got a belt pouch and a shield. (laughs) That's it. No weapon. Okay? (laughs) But he's a battle master. And one of his abilities is disarming strike. He's also human. And he took variant human. So at first level, he took tavern brawler as his feet. So unarmed, he does a D4 damage plus his strength, right? So he's proficient in, in improvised weapons. So he can pick up anything and smack things for a D4 with his proficiency bonus. So here's Chaka's deal. One thing, the pouch is a bag of holding. So he collects all, like, all the crappy magic items nobody wants. The first combat he runs into, he disarms his opponent and he picks up their weapon and commences to beat them to death with it. <laughs> and then he discards the weapon because he doesn't care. <laughs> he just uses shield. I might pick him up some magic break- bracers if I get the chance, but I, I'm really keen on him showing up, basically looking like the early Conan with right. the loincloth with just a shield and a pouch. And like I'm going to be like 15th level, and people are going to be like, you're in a loincloth with yeah. a shield. You have no weapon? Well, you probably have a much nicer loincloth by then. Not to- I don't know. I don't, I'm thinking he just he keeps the same one, you know? He washes it from time I'm to time. I'm glad he made that description because <laughs> yeah. all I was seeing while he was talking about was this Chaka from the No, 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 no. He's, he's more Conan-ish. And, I know. Okay. And he has Commander Strike, and I'm going to play him with my friend Dan, who's making a rogue, so that I can give him the extra attack right. of opportun- uh, the extra sneak attack every yeah. every turn. So that's my, my fire. <laughs> Two levels of Barbarian, rest levels of fire, Disarming Strike. And not wearing armor. Greg, I got nothing. I got nothing after that. I don't see <laughs> I cannot follow that. Uh, no, that that's a tough one here. I, I got uh all I've I've got something kinda lame. I thought, you know. As we go through these, since I have a pretty limited character base to draw from, I've been wanting to, you know, do fun new things. I have never done a Dragonborn 
need a character with some enhanced strength. I Go on Dragonborn. That. I Go thought on Dragonborn. About that. Okay. Uh, uh, his name is Drechtzug. Mm-hmm. Kind of. Dragonborn, not necessarily German, but you know, <laughs> it lent itself to that. And I actually, uh, I, I was using D and D Beyond on this. Now that I have access to a laptop, dragging myself into the new millennium, and. Uh, uh, Which is uh, already 18 years into it. Yeah. Well, you know, I figure I got until 2025 where I can stop saying that. Um, but I did use the... Not sure uh, how we arrived at that date, but okay. Yeah, I'm just It's like a quarter <laughs> of the way through. You know, you're like at the uh, beginning, okay. Okay. the middle, yep. and then there's the end. So uh, you got to chop it up sure. into chunks. Um, I did try to use the D&D Beyond name generator. Which I I've never use that. Uh, I, I've used it a couple of times now. I do not recommend using it. It is not great. To be there's honest, a, there, I didn't I, even know a, there was one. There's an online fantasy name generator that I sometimes yeah, that's what use. It, is. But it takes many clicks for me oh, to get one. Yes, yes. Yep, that's that's. I, I actually what it have is. a note on my phone. I was driving on the interstate, like in some other state, and I saw a sign for a place called Bucksnorts, and I was like, <laughs> and I made a note of that name. I'm like, oh my god, that's that a, a great halfling name, yep, Bucksnort. Yep. Yeah. Anyway. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I was going Brass Dragonborn, uh, uh, Strek. Wow. And I figure everybody just call him Strek. Yeah. Which sounds too much like Shrek, but he's going to be just a big guy that's going <laughs> to run around whacking shit. So that's what I, you know, that's what I wanted to do. Um, uh, I was going to go dueling. And uh, I had not actually picked out a subclass until we went through all of this stuff, but I think Battlemaster sounds really appealing. Yeah. Something nice, something straightforward, guy that could get up front. The, the, uh, it's interesting that you sh- you picked almost exactly what I had been thinking about really? in my head. But after Eric's, you know, uh, Chaka <laughs> thing, I'm yeah, just like, why bother? Uh, that, that did kind of wipe out a lot of... I had some background stuff figured I'll out. I'll go last I'm, next time. I, all I can think of now is I fell down a hole into the center of the earth. No, wait a minute. No, I can't do that. But, um, <laughs> oh, wow. but uh, yeah, you know, the, since uh, they've got the clan thing with the dragonborn and you want him to go adventuring with everybody else, you got to have him as an outcast. So... Uh, I was just gonna thinking about playing him way overly enthusiastic hmm. to uh, prove himself in combat uh, as a means of getting the rest Mine of the player would have been characters a silver in trouble. dragon half dragon because I'm keen on silver ha- silver dragons so instead of the brass uh, I just went brass because I liked the idea of the uh, the fire breath weapon I, I picked up my breath weapon mm-hmm. you know oh, wanted okay. the fire breath weapon gotcha. decided to do the straight line instead of the cone mm-hmm. because like any area effect attack you intend to not uh, damage your enemies nearly as much as you do your friends right yep so well, folks, I don't know about you guys, but I'm tired. Yeah, Fighter was yeah. way more complicated than yeah. I thought it would be when we started. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, when we got the outline for this, I uh, and, it, and I printed it out, and it was was it five, so five, four or five pages long. I'm like, what else is stuck in here? And then I got to looking through it, and it's all fifth edition description. So yeah, yeah. I thought Fighter was fifth the edition. easy way to go and the simple thing to do, and, and an, not so much. A note for the future: um, I think we're going to be talking about you know players, new players and stuff yeah, like so that. Yeah, that should be our next um, one. Greg brought up a good point, and you brought up a, a with your character name and, and things like that. That's something that we should talk about in that podcast is creating a good name and how much a name affects a character. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite characters, it was not my character, but a player of mine from back in the day, he had um, a half-orc barbarian. His name was Goomswoggle. Yeah. And he also had a, a dwarf fighter. Um, who always came to uh, mind. His name was Snoozer Van Cleef. <laughs> mm. 
Nice. So um, names yeah. make well, make great. a character. Add that to the outline for our next uh, podcast. Yeah. Naming names, characters. Yep. Na- naming characters is hard, and I uh, I spend yeah. way too much time yeah. uh, in normally do doing that. I do too. Uh, yeah, along those same lines, uh, most memorable. Uh, character name from back in the day you for guys me. are giving it away now for free we're, <laughs> we're gonna have no content for the next podcast yeah. but go ahead so no I'll, I'll mention it again because it's funny and do it twice uh miller draft beer yeah yeah all right then i'm not going <laughs> to talk about the one that is in currently in my campaign that'll be <laughs> yeah next for later gotta save okay. something okay well we've officially made this the longest podcast of the grognards yeah so who would have thought Fighters, again yeah. I uh, want to thank everybody for hanging in and listening with us and uh, for all of the uh, support we get and for uh, listening to the ones that we've had in the past. And spread the word. We want more of you guys to listen to us because what you find online, we know more than they do. Maybe. <laughs> Shh. They Except do. for six six to 24 encounter distance. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, Greg, take us out. Yeah, and uh, if you want to tell us about your fighter or uh, have any questions, you can. the best way to get us is on Facebook. We are on there all the time, way too much, probably at work. And uh, we are The Grognards on Facebook. Uh, on Twitter, we are at T Grognards. Uh, we do visit Twitter once every four or five months. And on Instagram, we are the underscore grognards. And again, our email address is gamers at the grognards. All right. Well, thank you very much. And for the grognards, I'm Dean Geiken. I'm Eric Holly. And I'm Greg Ziegler. Game on.